Welcome everyone to our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. Pleased to be joined by Bonnie Bernstein, a former colleague, a longtime veteran broadcaster, and now the CEO and founder of Walk Swiftly Productions. And Bonnie, we're going to talk about your Title IX series here momentarily. But first, as a former student athlete at Maryland in gymnastics, uh, I just want to get to you personally. What does Title IX mean to you in terms of your overall history with athletics? It means opportunity, Andy. And my situation, you might call unique because I was both a have not and a have. And when I say that, I mean scholarships. So I was a walk-on at the University of Maryland. I was going to attend a different university. My scholarship fell through. That university shall uh, remain unnamed at the moment. Um, but by the time I went back to Maryland, which just so happened to be my first recruit trip, my coach, Bob Nelligan, um, had given all of the scholarships away. And he said, walk on. Uh, if you do okay, then we'll give you a full ride the rest of the way. And so that was the hope. Um, unfortunately, I blew out my ACL my freshman year and had to have it reconstructed. And so I was, I was dealing with a little bit of an injury situation, but ultimately I earned my full scholarship my senior year. So to go from working three jobs to make ends meet for the first several years to having the benefit of a full scholarship and just the chunk of time that that opened up for me my senior year, not just to focus on academics and athletics as I had been, but preparing for a job and also doing some really valuable internships, I wouldn't have been able to do that without the scholarship. So it's been great to be able to reflect back on both of those experiences. So Bonnie, uh, I'm not going to, you know, throw out any ages here, but we're both in the same generation. Yeah. And i around the block a little bit, Andy. <laughs> yes, I'll just leave it like that. But we've both seen the arc of Title IX during our lifetimes. Sure. Um, how would you grade sort of where we are now from what you remember uh, as a kid. Well, the funny thing is, and, and I've spoken with a lot of women my age and, and even some younger folks, Title IX, I don't necessarily even know that it was on my radar when I was in college. And for a lot of younger people, perhaps it's coming into focus because there's been you know, a, a lot of publicity, quite frankly, around the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And so, understanding where we were versus where we are and still how much opportunity there is for growth, that's a really important conversation because we don't wanna minimize, when you talk to women who were pre-Title IX, how there were so many, well, so fewer scholarships, fewer opportunities, not even remotely close to the sorts of resources that are at the behest of girls and, and women in um, both high school and college athletics. It's grown by leaps and bounds. That's not to say there were anywhere remotely close to what we would consider true equity. A lot of that conversation, quite frankly, revolves around football because there are so many scholarships and you know, 85 and there are more than 100 kids on a football team, um, but still there's room for growth. So I don't at all want to poo-poo how far we've come, but I do appreciate how much opportunity there is to go. And I think, you know, back, you know, in my childhood, the, the female athletes for me that I remember obviously were, were tennis players in Billie Jean King, uh, Martina Navratilova, Chris Everett. Uh, and now we see, you know, big time athletes in a variety of sports outside, I would say the Olympics, 
you know, every four years you would see these unbelievable female athletes in the Olympics. If you can just speak to sort of where we are also in the growth of women's sports from really the eighties on. Well, you know, it's been interesting. It, it's kind of like, we always talk about as women, we want to be able to set an example for girls because if they see it, they can do it. And as we've seen an expansion of broadcast rights, and I can't think of a greater example than softball and the Women's College World Series. And simply by ESPN and other entities acquiring the broadcast rights and showing the games, the greater the visibility, the more the possible is presented to girls. And, you know, that's just, that's just really one piece of it. If you look at broadcast, Andy, there were so few women when I was first aspiring to go into sports. And quite frankly, I didn't know if I was ever going to get the opportunity because I had Leslie Visser and Gail Gardner, um, you know, Jane Kennedy, there, there, there weren't, you could name on a single hand how many women there were in visible broadcast positions. And so now that we have so many more women who are doing play-by-play, -play, even some color, obviously there are many women doing sideline reporting, feature reporting, hosting studio, whether it's Samantha Ponder or Carissa Thompson um, in the football space and many more women in the basketball space and other sports too. If girls can see it, they realize they can do it, whether it is as an athlete, as a broadcaster, in marketing, in development, whatever that may be. And so, you know, yes, it was the Billie Jean Kings and the Martina Navratilovas who first took the torch and ran with it. But the wonderful thing is now there are so many more torch bearers in all different facets of the sports industry. And to your point, something that we would never have seen in the past is something like a Candace Parker on March Madness, on the men's side, commentating. Becky Hammond coaching yes. in the NBA. There are so many amazing examples of broadcasters, coaches, referees, you know, scouts. We're seeing women in, in what we would have considered non-traditional, maybe we still consider them non-traditional spaces, but lo and behold, there they are. And also as a broadcaster, um, you know, as we've seen these events, absolutely just balloon like you're saying with the college world series and softball i just know a couple of years ago i went for the first time to the volleyball championship and the atmosphere in a sold out arena in minnesota was unbelievable and those assignments used to be as you know you only wanted those plum assignments that were on the men's side and now some of those assignments that you potentially could get on the women's side can provide that same kind of exposure excitement how have you seen that aspect change as well well, you're seeing more men doing it. And that's truly indicative of the growth and the level of interest and how much more appealing those opportunities were. Because back in the day, and the day wasn't all that long ago, it was only women doing those assignments. And now you have men not only serving as anchors for coverage, but guys who are really interested in doing it in part because they have daughters and they have daughters who are playing sports. So the interesting dynamic is for a lot of men who may have grown up playing sports and then they start families of their own and lo and behold, their girls are playing, immediately there's a heightened interest and an understanding of how powerful a man serving in those roles covering women's sports can be. Yeah, obviously we all need to be allies in that space. So 
in, in this series that you're going to do for the NCA uh, over the next few months, um, recognizing Title IX, what do you hope to accomplish and learn from some of those conversations? Well, we're hoping to showcase three different generations of women. So we're, we're doing nine parts for Title IX, and we're going to do one a month um, starting in the summer every month until it all culminates in uh, a Final Four down in Dallas, which interestingly enough for the women's Final Four will be where the D1, D2, and D3 championships will all be held in the same place. So it's just going to be an extraordinary conversation. For this particular series, we want to showcase three current student athletes because what we know, Andy, and we've all been around so many athletes during the course of our lives and careers, is that inherently student athletes are leaders. Everything they learn on the fields of play is teeing them up for success in life, whether it's leadership, accountability, teamwork, work ethic, overcoming obstacles, all the sorts of things that we learn tease us up to be great leaders and successful in life. So we want to be able to showcase three student athletes who um, have voices that we want to be able to showcase and hear about their journeys, their experiences, and how they're able to and look forward to taking their leadership on the field off once they graduate. We want to showcase three former student athletes who aren't that far removed from college to see what they're up to and what their college experience, how that's helped them propel them to where they are now. And then we're hoping to showcase three game changers. And we're still trying to figure out if those are women who were actually student athletes or people who have been instrumental in the movement, in the Title IX movement, that might actually feature a man. Because, you know, it's interesting, and I was just having this conversation with one of my colleagues the other day, Title IX is an incredible celebration of women, but the reality is we wouldn't be where we are now without men supporting us and serving as extraordinary champions. So there's nothing that's precluding us from having a man on this series. Um, if he is one of the people we want to celebrate as changing the game for women. And then one other thing that I just want to have you address it, it, that's so true as well is that it's not all about the field of play or the court, that over time we're seeing more women as head athletic trainers, uh, team doctors, administrators, athletic directors. As you mentioned, uh, more and more coaches, it's still small, but are adding women to their staffs on the men's side, maybe in director of basketball operations, as an example, uh, sport administrators across the country. A lot of them are women over men's sports, things like that. No way would that have happened in the seventies or eighties. Back then we were seeing two separate departments. There was a women's athletic director and a men's athletic director who was really over everything, but the women's athletic director, she was really only over the women, not touching any of the men's sports. And that's another change that comes off of Title IX that is not directly resulting in what happens on the court or the field. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because Chris Plonsky, who's been in athletics, good grief, forever. She was a college basketball player, and she was one of the women who, for a long time at the University of Texas, was overseeing women's athletics. Now it's just we see the value in bringing everybody together. But when you talk to somebody like a Chris Plotsky, who is just so rich with her storytelling and personal experiences, it gives you an appreciation for how far we come and how, you know, 
for lack of a better term, the segregation has sort of been somewhat disbanded because we understand that the value for student athletes is the same for both men and for women. Well, Bonnie, we can't wait to, to obviously dive deeper into this series. I know it's going to be incredibly interesting. Uh, it's a year-long celebration of Title IX. This is just no, another important piece uh, along the way for everyone within the NCAA membership to check out. I uh, can't wait for it. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, you are you are an icon and a legend. You've done unbelievable work in your career, and you continue to do so. I appreciate your time, Bonnie. Thank you so much, Andy. Take care. Enjoy the summer. All right. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series, where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.